You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center, this is Phoenix FM. This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, community radio for Dublin 15. Hey everybody, it's JB Jeremy Borash and you are listening to Daryl O'Connor on the... Welcome to the Wrestling Rewind. The only wrestling podcast by fans who don't hate wrestling. Hello everybody, it is Phoenix 22.5 FM, the True Bay Channel on Nerdtano Media. This is the Wrestling Rewind. My name is Daryl Connor. Welcome to the show. Uh, happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that good stuff we're recording on New Year's Day. I just had dinner. I'm not hungover. It's a wonderful day. So already a better start than the entire of 2022. However... I am not alone. I am joined by the one, the only, the undefeated, Mr. 1-0, Martin Herty. Here it is, Martin. It's a new year. Yes, it is. It is. And okay, so here's the thing. What's the over-under that Punk's actually going to fight you this time? Do you think we're going to get him in 2023? Oh, 2023. Do you know what? I think it's time we start doing competing bets. Who will he <laughs> fight first? Me or Kenny Omega? Oh. I think there's... <laughs> It's because right now it's 50 50. So, do you, do you think I have do, as much chance as Kenny? Is there going to be biting involved? That's what I want to know. Um, I mean, Allegedly. It, it would depend who he goes against. I mean, if he goes against, say, for example, uh, Claudio, Claudio's at a disadvantage there because he always wears those uh gum shields. That's true. So, it's it's uh, it's it's a tactic you just want to base depending on the on the individual bout. That's fair. That's fair. Well, look, all we can do is the challenge is out there. You know, he's back in the MMA, kind of, sort of. So, you know, Jura Domain. How you he's been? Still, anyway? still under contract with AEW. They're still, I don't know. I, 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 I think I'm, I'm holding on to just the faintest, faintest lingering hope that they can maybe after a year has passed, they can turn it into a, into a work. It, but it, uh, otherwise, Russo, otherwise, I'm, if Vince Russo, worky work, shooty shoe, how appropriate for what we're going to be talking about. But sorry, go on. <laughs> Yeah, because they always work out great. <laughs> but you're doing well other than that, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I got myself... Uh, my brother uh, went and had himself a baby. And oh, wow. now he's now he's not allowed to play his Xbox One anymore. So I got his Xbox One for Christmas. So I'm delighted. <laughs> I mean, hey, that works out. And, and it's nice to have, you know, the first nephew in the family. That's cool as well. So. <laughs> That's a bonus, right? You're just like, God, next <laughs> Well, it's not your, it's not just yourself, myself, sir. We have a, our annual guest on, of course, uh, the owner of the True Penny Channel, Mr. James True Penny, sir. Welcome to the show. Good evening, yeah. gentlemen. How are you all? Brilliant, brilliant. Excellent. Uh, it's good to have you on the show, man. Usually, we have you on for like a year end thing, but <laughs> our show was based twenty years ago, so. <laughs> To be and honest with you, you, the Troopany show hasn't done an awful lot of new wrestling this year. So it's a, we, we were kind of in the same boat. I haven't got around to the year-end awards. Basically, a bunch of stuff happened in Japan. We had to talk about it. 
Yeah. So it kind of held things up on the Troopity Show uh, at Year End Awards and therefore it held things up on the Rewind at Year End Awards. Do apologise. I'm sure we'll get to it in January at some point. I mean, we're in February 1999 in our timeline. So, I mean, <laughs> that's where we're, we're all over the place. We're all over the place. So, I mean, like, I, you know, the main thing about 2022, Triple H took over the WWE, give them all the belts. It's fine. You know, here's, the thing, here's the thing, though, for you, just to kind of like set the scene for today's show, if you don't mind. Oh, obviously. Last week's True Penny show was a review of the Glate MMA show. Oh. Which, yeah, which was um, with myself and Mr. Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Matt Roberts from the Wrestling Rewind. No, sorry, not Wrestling Rewind, the Random Wrestling Review, who is an MMA expert. And that show was Glate Pro Wrestlers versus. MMA fighters, which is intriguing. Oh I'll explain yeah. how that went on a bit, but let's get to today's show. <laughs> so you may or may or well, if you're listening to this, you've read the title, so I'm not going to keep you in suspense. We're going to be talking about the brawl for all, which was terrible. Um, and it, we had <laughs> or, to look the, or the brawl for it all, as Jim Ross continually referred to it as. Would always refer to. <laughs> that makes more sense though. <laughs> brawl for it all, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so this was a, a, a terrible idea that lasted from uh, June, uh, the 29th of June, 1998, to August the 24th, uh, 1998. But then it was slightly revived for WrestleMania 15, which were almost at an air timeline, Martin. And that was a punishment of what would happen. So oh, the, every aspect of this, um, you, you'll get into it now, Dara, but yeah, just to, to preface that every aspect of this creatively in terms of injuries in terms of people's careers in terms of business everything about this was terrible so basically there, there, look there's loads of different stories on this in the end james and martin jump in when when you feel appropriate i'm pretty much trying to give you guys like the the official narrative basically what's on wikipedia of what's happened that there is the dark side of the ring there's a bunch of documentaries on youtube and you know there's it, uh, pritchard has talked about it jim Cornette's talked about it. obviously vince russo has talked about it and it's like they've all have different sides of just, the story Dara, just like the point out jim Cornette has not talked about it jim Cornette has ranted and screamed about it <laughs> True. i've never, I've never heard the man it... talk about it <laughs> Look, I I don't I don't agree with Cornet on a lot of things, but on this case, he's like spot on. Oh yeah, it's, it's genuinely <laughs> one of the worst things I've ever seen in wrestling because it's not wrestling. Like, so we were able to, we were able to watch all of these. They're all on random episodes of Raw between then, but we were to find a playlist. Um, we were watching it, and then also we'll cover the WrestleMania match as well. So that's pretty much what we're going to do, do today. We're going to go through the different rounds, what happened, what the fights are actually like, and again, fight is a very 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 <laughs> Loose term for what some of these were. Um, but basically, this, okay, so the overall narrative, it, it, there's two of them. One, it was designed deliberately to punish uh, Bradshaw because he would say how tough he was and uh, Russo wanted to punish him and say, right, well, we're actually going to put you in the ring and see what happens. The other one, which I think it's a combination of the two, is that this was to bring in Dr. Death Steve Williams. And get him over so we could eventually win and feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think the truth lies somewhere between those two. So do you guys want to jump in on there and on what well, you think actually happened? Um, the Williams one is the most attractive story because that makes the most sense. Because you're yeah. actually trying to do something to make money. As much as, you know, 
watching that particular version of Bradshaw be punished for anything, yeah, fine, whatever, don't care. I mean, he's a nice guy now, does a lot of work for charity, works with lots of young people in the Bahamas, so I understand good on him for turning his wife around. Yes. (laughs) However, the Doctor Death one is probably the most sensible one. And the reason why I mentioned The Glate Show and why I found it intriguing is because wrestling promoters want to control stuff. Because when they can't control stuff, it all goes wrong. Now, the Glate promoters did put their pro wrestlers up against fighters, but the fighters had similar records to the wrestlers, as in they were quite old and had lost a lot. (laughs) So it wasn't like a complete drubbing. None of the wrestlers won. One got a tie. But they all didn't look stupid because, you know, the promoters knew what they were doing. Mm. So the idea of, like, getting Williams to the top of the company by him winning this tournament makes kind of sense. Except for the fact that when you listen to Pritchard, he talked about it recently on his show, and he said, nah, it wasn't about that, because everyone thinks it's about that, and it definitely wasn't about that. And um, Conrad said, well, what was it about them? I said, I can't tell you. don't know. don't know why it happened. No one really explained it to me. And Bruce did get told off a lot for being negative towards it, because he hated the idea as well. In fact, Connett hated it and Pritchard hated it. And out of the three guys who were running the company at the time, four guys who were running the company at the time, the only two people who did like the idea was McMahon and Russo. But so, on, that, on that point, though, right, watching this again, and I made, I made, I made very, very... So I watched it once, and then I watched it parts of it again to listen in on commentary, right? Mm-hmm. There, is a, there is a marked difference between the way they cover it when Steve Williams is in the competition mm-hmm. and afterwards. So when it, obviously he was JR's pick and he gets a video package and everything. None of these other guys got a video package during it. <laughs> he's the only one where people are like, yeah, he's going to kill you. You're going to have to put him down. You know, you have to kill him to, to win. And they're just like, he's obviously, you know, he's obviously the, the, vic- the victor here, yeah. you know, that's who they want. And then uh, Jim Ross is hyping up, hyping up, and then afterwards, crickets. And then in WrestleMania, there's actually a very good line, which I caught today, where King's like, uh, Michael Coles is going through the list of people and he mess up Dr. Death. And then King's like, here, don't don't mention Dr. Death. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> Jesus. Like, this is how bad it was. And that's, what, six, seven months later? Nine months later? This is yep. this uh, competition is the only memory I have of Doctor Death. Did he? Did he appear? He was in, in, he was in WWF Attitude, and I never knew who he was. <laughs> so did he appear in WWF programming after this at all? No, yes. he was. He did, he did actually. He, yeah, yeah did. but it was like he got buried, though, wasn't it? It was like a burial. He, he, he won these matches, but it wasn't. It, there were squash matches, which is what they should have done with him in the first place. He should just bulldoze some squash guys. That's yeah. something else yeah. to do. But he was you know, gone. But he, but he was gone by the end of nineteen ninety nine. By the end of nineteen ninety eight, wasn't it? Or nineteen ninety nine? He was his contract ran out, and he went to WCW to be. Yeah, that's what happened. OK's, uh second, and then he went off to All Japan after that. Which is, I'll talk about that at the end because that's the interesting bit. <laughs> Actually, there's a really good video um, by Kim Justice. I don't know if you guys know who she is. Um, Since co- daughter. No, she's a YouTuber, mainly covers Sega Genesis games, but sometimes covers wrestling and actually did a whole thing on Dr. Death recently and on Vader. Because it's like Dr. Death and Vader seem to be like 
So that's a crossover about how the two were just kind of like totally screwed up during like that run. Oh, yeah. But, but so anyway, um, one of the other uh, inspirations for this whole fiasco was the um, the kind of a upsurge in interest in tough man competitions and MMA competitions that were happening uh, around about that time as well. And, and WBF was trying to maybe piggyback on some of the underground popularity of these things. But what gets me about that is, uh, and again, it ties into how this thing was a disaster on every level. Like they wanted to, they wanted to try and tie in to the popularity of those things, and they did it in the worst possible way. But at the same time, when Vince was offered UFC for like three million, he turned it down. (laughs) (laughs) But here's what's weird. But here's what's weird, right? So they had under contract Dan Severin and Ken Shamrock, right? Now Dan, we'll get to Dan Severin in a second, but Ken Shamrock apparently was offered 50 million, no, not 50 million, 50,000 just to fight. And he turned it down because his rate was like a million, I think, to actually fight. And he's like, I'm not doing that. I, you know, just, I'm just here from fighting. I don't want to fight anymore, I, which is so, fair. So I'd heard uh, that. Yeah, so one, one story I'd heard was that because he was such a legitimate fighter that they didn't let him in the competition. No, um, that's what happened with Dan Severn. Well, I'd heard, I'd heard it about Shamrock as well. Okay. But, but the yeah. other thing is that what I would assume um, is that it wasn't anything to do with money at all. That Shamrock, being a legitimate fighter, looked at this thing, said that is a recipe for disaster that is going to end in injuries, in gimmicks being ruined, in careers being ended, and I want nothing to do with it. There was a shoot interview with um, Severin and Shamrock, and that was Severin, Severin and Shamrock both said they weren't allowed to enter. Really? So, well, okay. And it, the um, and Shamrock, who's not particularly known for being a fan of Dan, did say if Dan <laughs> entered and he was allowed because basically what Dan didn't like was the fact he had to wear gloves. Yeah. And he said, if Dan didn't wear gloves, there's no way anyone would win any of those matches because you just had to turn up. He said Dan could beat anyone in that locker room then easily. But he, okay, right. why didn't they do yeah. that? Why didn't they just use the bin to, to build Dan Severin? Feed him all these guys. Steve Blackman was there and he actually looked really good, but he was the only one who was like a martial artist, let's say. But why didn't they just use that to build up Dan Severin? I mean, you could have had a whole storyline there. It, I don't. Ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, yeah, you, like, you try to think it, it out, and you're like, but now you're into the what does Vince McMahon see as a star? And bless his cotton socks, Dan Severin, as great as he was as a shooter and as great as he was as a grappler, and he was a reasonably good worker, was not the guy that Vince McMahon looks at and goes, Hey, you are going to sell me some cereal. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The, the other thing about a, about a competition like this to, and the, uh, it having that shoot aspect to it is that there's a huge risk for gays like Dan Severn and Ken Shamrock and that because what if somebody does just by pure happenstance or pure luck get in a lucky punch that does and then that is yeah. your, your whole gimmick like yeah, if Ken on. Shamrock goes in there and he steps in that ring and he gets clattered by bodacious Bart like that's he's he's over you know see the thing about it is right now that's exactly what happened but i mean martin you know this um james i don't know if you've 
trained in anything, but that can happen. You know, you can, oh. you, you know, you're not looking for a minute. You actually get hit and you're like, oh, but if the whole thing about wrestling is to get someone over and build someone up. It's the opposite of what you want to do. It's exactly what happened with Punk when he went into UFC. He killed his gimmick by actually going in and being shown that he actually can't fight. It's like, you well, know. at least he had the sense to go and do that in a different company in a different and, sport. Like, and also these guys had to do it in their in their own backyard. But also the injury thing. So there was a good point made. Um, I can't remember where it was, but like a lot of fighters training camp. Like you were training for a year before your fight, Martin. Um, yeah, and, and and like I am in no way any kind of expert on fighting. Like I did a very uh, kind of entry level training thing, and and then had one uh, MMA fight. And even I was looking at this, going, these lads are completely like at least half of them were completely untrained. Like yeah. they were doing stuff that they tell you in day one not to do. Like turn your back on your opponent. They were all doing it constantly. Yeah. It was, it, it was a recipe. It, Sorry, James, go for it. Go on. I was going to say, and if you look at the companies that were doing stuff like this, say like UWFI at the time, they were doing shoot style wrestling, not shoot wrestling, because they were still booking their finishes. So the actual like fifteen minutes of the fight was a shoot, and then the finish would be a work to make it look realistic. Those wrestlers were only wrestling once every two or three months. Yeah, even though they weren't going at full tilt, you know, yeah. because because it's hard work and it causes injuries, and you can't do it all the time. These guys were doing it oh every couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, they, they they were they were like consecutive raws. And the thing about yeah. it is, it's like the whole reason that wrestling became worked in the first place was because injuries happen. <laughs> you know, you can't go out and fight all the time, like le- like legitimately because it's it's crazy. You know, it's it's just. And not even with just someone hitting you. Like, there were, like, torn hamstrings, shoulder injuries, concussions. We'll go through it, but there is just a legitimate... I don't know how they thought this was going to end any other way. You know, it's ridiculous. I was also going to say, it's also not very entertaining. Like, I watched watched that show last week. Uh, the Glade show, and it was good, and there was lots of close fights and stuff, and the closest fight was Young Lady called Fukuda, who has a Mai Tai background, and she had a Mai Tai fight with another Mai Tai fighter, and that was three three-minute rounds, and it was a blast to watch, because they're both really good at what they do. Right. And these guys are not any good at what they do. No, <laughs> it, it's funny, the first fight, uh, Blackman and Mark Miro, Set the bar. Yeah, but they actually set the bar quite high, and it was like it just went downhill from there. Like that was the best fight that was on it. Mark Mark Miro got Mark Miro got absolutely screwed over on this though. Like they put him in the first round against Blackman, who is a a a wrestler. Like he he went straight in there wrestling, and Miro went in there to box. So he was like completely at a disadvantage. He just (laughs) spent the whole thing. Yeah, he didn't. I don't think he threw one punch. He just kept no. taking him down. Yeah. And then he, Blackman went out injured. So M- Miro went into the second round with Bradshaw, who is legitimately twice the size of him. Yeah. Like Bradshaw is a terrible fighter. He's yeah. so bad. He does that thing that, you know, like kids do in the fight. Like he just sort of puts his arms out in front of him and just uses his weight to push up on the other guy. So like Miro was. 
boxing away at him, like peppering him with punches. But like, it might as well have been punching a tree. Like Bradshaw <laughs> fights like one of those guys that drinks too much and takes his shirt off. Yeah. You know, outside of a bar. But that's the way he fights, and you're like, okay, because he's so big, he, he it actually worked for him against Miro and draws. But Bart Gunn, who could punch harder, would eventually just, you know, take him apart in that way. And it's just like, well, okay. I mean, if the goal was to show him up, it worked. But, you know, he still got to the final, which, well, he made 25 grand. So the winner got, the winner got, uh, sorry, the winner got 75 grand and uh, the the runner up got 25 grand. He still got 25 grand. I mean. Well, now, did he? Because again, I've heard conflicting reports about about whether or not they actually got these payouts. It was supposed to get five thousand dollars a fight in the first round if they turned up. They both got five thousand yeah. dollars, and from then on, there was another five thousand dollars in the semis in the se- second round in the semifinals, and then it was supposed to be a hundred thousand dollar purse in the final. I think. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty make. sure uh, Bart Gunn said in the in the Vice documentary that he never got. He never got paid the seventy-five grand. Really? That, that that it was the seventy-five grand was like part of the gimmick. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> everything, was, everything was real except the money. Except it's the exact money. exact opposite of what wrestling's supposed to be. Oh god! <laughs> Literally, like oh, what a train wreck. Okay, so let's get into this. Uh, we kind of danced around a little bit. Um, so look, these fights were not good. Uh, they were. They were. Some of them were went the full way, other ones didn't. Um, there are one or two spectacular knockouts, um, genuinely. Um, and then there's some guys you've probably never heard of either, like Brackus. Yeah, Brackus, <laughs> Brackus was interesting because he was uh, a bodybuilder, he was purely, purely just a bodybuilder. So he looked great walking down there, it looked like he was chiseled out of stone, and then he got in the ring. And he got battered sideways by uh, Savio well, Vega. Have you ever Savio fought, Vega slapped him around the place. Have you ever fought a body, body, uh, bodybuilder? I, I haven't, no. The, I have. And they cannot punch or kick. But when they do hit you, it's like you've been hit by, you've been hit by a train. But, think, you know, that's the thing. Think, they're, they're so big, they can't move. So I wasn't shocked by this at all. Yeah, I think that's what Savio did. He he just kind of zigged and zagged around him. But, yeah, like um, I was watching it. I was like, if, if he hits him, he's going to kill him. So just don't let him hit you. And that's how we won that fight. But it was it was good. But he got injured after that and was let go after the end of that year, I think, wasn't it? It was, yeah. He, got, he got injured, yeah, and he was let go by the end of the year. Draw- I mean, I... I, I was going to say, I was watching WWE pretty religiously at the time, and the only time I saw Brackus was in this. Yeah, and, and he was going to ECW one night because he was uh, muscle for in the anti WWE storyline that, that they were doing in ECW. And of course, he was a perfect guy for that because he was. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, had, he had an incredible look and probably would have been a serviceable pro wrestler, but a fighter, not so much. Um, <laughs> then he got paid up by Savio Vega. <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah, embarrassing by itself. But it's Savio Vega trained in Puerto Rico, where if you don't know what you're doing, that you will literally get killed. And the other place he was trained was the New Japan Dojo. That's true. <laughs> and, so, and, the, and, the, and the same with um, 
the same with the the Godfather. Like he's a legit tough guy, you know. And it's it, but it ruins the gimmicks. I mean, you know, we're kind of. <laughs> I think all three of our brains are like collapsing in on us because it's like we're trying to talk about a real sport in a fake sport <laughs> with their That's gimmicks presented as a real sport. It's, yeah, but with their gimmicks, like there's one point in it where uh, the Godfather offers the hose. Uh, where Phoenix were using the term that they used at the time offers the hose to Scorpio and he's like no and he, Godfather wins <laughs> and you're like alright and it's just like it, it's crazy I, like okay so how they got these was it 16 guys yeah so how they got this, these 16 guys in they're obviously like right with the money but they couldn't have the big top guys in for obvious reasons one they're getting paid way too much two they knew how stupid it was and three it would destroy like imagine if Taker went in there and got knocked out by Bark on. That would that's it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Imagine. Just no. Like there's absolutely no way that was happening. So this was filled of was filled with undercard guys for the most for the most part, right? Blackman mm-hmm. um was probably the you know would, would be the most over guy in there, other than the Godfather, probably, but for different reasons. Barkun had just come off the Midnight Express, which wasn't good. James, you probably remember the Midnight Express reunion with uh, H's Bart. They broke up for this because Jim Cornette refused to manage them in, in kayfabe, but Jim Cornette was probably just going off oh, crying out loud because they're going to murder the gimmick will not bother anymore. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, and it was it was awful. If you want to see how bad it was, Unforgiven 1999 will we'll sort you out there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> wasn't good. Um, yeah, so they kind of had to pick these guys who they had. So there were some like background talent uh Again, Brackus was brought in just pretty much for this. Mark Canterbury, who's one of the Godwins, changed his gimmick <laughs> for this and then went back to being the Godwins and then was gone. Uh, they were Southern Justice, though, weren't they? They were Southern Justice, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I think they were Southern Justice by this point, so they changed to Mark Canterbury and um, Dennis Knight. But what's fun... Uh, at least, at least uh, he resisted the urge to come down to the ring with a big... Uh, the big <laughs> southern rebel flag but what was funny <laughs> but what was funny during commentary jim ross messes and calls him henry and he goes wait no he's mark at this point and he's just like oh jesus they can't even get this like they gotta get yeah, this together so- you know <laughs> i was i was him. waiting i was waiting for him to call savio vega quang <laughs> that would have been a better fit would have been a better fit um, Darren uh, draws Drawsdorf was in his he had, he had debuted a little bit before but still wasn't really established Road Warrior Hawk was there for some reason with the face paint which was also bizarre uh, Bob Holly and, got, and then got his face smashed in and had to drop out yeah but th- I'll, I'll get to that because that was a pretty good fight uh, Bart Gunn and Bob Holly fought were there obviously they were tag teams Bob Holly got battered the weirdest one was um, Qu- Quebecer Pierre that was like the biggest jobber I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he got killed by Steve Williams. The Do Godfather. You know he is? No. He's PCO. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Quebec Pierre is PCO, dude. Oh my God. Yeah, Cole. He got done so dirty. And fair, against <laughs> Steve Williams. I not you, you know, that's a tall order, but. Man, poor guy. He was doomed from the start. But anyway, then we had the Godfather, Dan Severin, Eight Ball, and Scorpio. So the one match that we couldn't see, uh, uh, James, you alluded to it earlier on, 
eight ball and Scorpio. Uh, that's very hard to find. <laughs> so <laughs> I literally, I just before we started, I went through all the rules in that era. You can't find it anywhere. It's not yeah, on it's, there. It's just gone. Is, Scorpio won anyway. So is there a reason for that, uh, or was it just on maybe? I've no idea. I think I'm, some of on one I episode they referred to a match that took place. Uh, as a dark match so I wonder was that that could have been it actually that would make sense here's the thing 8-Ball was um, a member of a right wing organisation at the oh. time ah. oh, and did have tattoos that looked an awful lot like because they were the SS symbol so oh, if, dear. You look, okay. <laughs> if you look at all matches when he, when they were managed by Zeb Coulter they actually had the tattoos covered up but you can see that they're SS symbols so I, I'm I wondering the, if the, the Godwins. Yeah, the Godwins. No, the Godwins were just Southerners, who obviously and different time for the Confederate flag. The, the Harris brothers were just out and out like racist. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> they yeah, they showed yeah, up they, on WCW with the same thing. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're nice Christian boys now, obviously, and I'm sure they have changed their. <laughs> as they are multi-millionaires and own production companies and stuff. However, at the time, they were a bit rum. Well, okay. Yeah, they were on WCW as creative control. That's it, yeah, they was. Yeah. yeah they, they bought out TNA from Dixie. and Well, they kept it afloat for Dixie until she Yes, that is very true. Yeah, they, they bought it, and before it became... Well, I think they still own it now with Impact, don't they? Or no, they sold yeah. it. They sold it yeah, a little while ago. You um. Anthem, didn't they? Anthem owned the company at the Anthem, moment. They were the ones yeah. to out to Anthem. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah they're, they're quite, you know, they've had Oh my God, it, get, it gets so but, much worse. So, in 2002, the brothers appeared, so this is from, from Wikipedia, appeared on a TNA pay-per-view wearing the S, uh, sure with SS symbols. And their tattoos mm-hmm. are also SS. Oh, they're, they're covered up now, though. TNA apologised. And, uh, yeah, so the tattoos now are... Um, are covered up and apparently the shirts are worn because they were quote bikers yes. <laughs> Jesus. oh that's such a bad idea anyway tna 2002 uh that's a whole other that's a whole other pod that's a whole year of podcasting james that's going to be fun we're going to get to there eventually <laughs> um but anyway right. so where do, I guess we'll start from the start. I mean, that makes more sense. So the 29th of uh, June is when these first two matches, or fights, we'll call them fights. These two fights happened. Steve, Black and, Steve Blackman, Mark Miro, and then Mark Canterbury and Bradshaw. Right, so well, let's start it, with the it first might, one. It might just be useful before we get into the fights, just to yeah. quickly run over what what exactly you mean. Like, what were the, the rules oh, the rule? of these fights? Oh, that makes, yeah. sense. that makes sense. So there was a uh, five five for um, take for uh, punches and take and uh, takedowns, and then it was ten for. Yes, yeah, so it was a it was a, a point a system. Yeah. Um, there was three one minute rounds. Uh, the matches were won by point systems, so yes. five points for a punch, five for a takedown, ten for a knockdown. Yeah. Um, or a knockout would just end the would end, end the, the fight there. Yeah, there's so TKO or knockout. Would end the fight immediately. Um, okay, so Steve Backman and Mark Miro. Um, this was probably the most comp- competent fight of pretty much the entire contest, really. Um, and it, it set the tone. Now the crowd did not like this at all. They they actually turned on it like immediately. Uh, you know, shouting, "We want wrestling!" and this, you know, boring and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, 
no, it's mad. The, yeah. the thousands of people who paid for a ticket to Raw wanted to see <laughs> wrestling. Well, it it? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we've been covering Raw, and you know, one of the things that we love about Martin is how like wild it is and how you know snappy it is. This this just kills any momentum dead because it's like just this slog in the middle of uh, of the show. So yeah, I totally get why they would be upset, but I feel bad for for, for the two lads in this fight because they're the only ones that kind of knew what was going on and it just went downhill from there. But I mean, what did you guys make of this? They, they were the, the only two in the whole thing who, even though other you know, fights later on might have been more entertaining, you know, with the knockouts and stuff like that. They were the only two who looked like competent professional fighters, even yeah. just in the way they moved around in the ring. The other guys were just wildly swinging and, you know, the, none of them looked like professional fighters. They looked very unsure um, in terms of their movements, in terms of their stance. The punches they were throwing were just wild like stuff that would get you knocked out in two seconds if you mm. came up against an actual professional fighter yeah which of course <laughs> later on uh, down the line is is exactly what happened yeah james uh yeah i agree it's just they're the competent so it makes it watchable um quality drops off fairly quickly afterwards <laughs> so steve blackman um, sorry go on I'm watching the videos now as we're talking about it, and I'm just like, oh my God, they put that on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Live TV, which is even Live worse. TV. On a major uh, network. <laughs> for seven <Anywho>. weeks. <laughs> so, so Steve Blackman would win pretty comp- comprehensively. He really much just took down Mark Miro, and that was it. Like, that was just his strategy go and take down, take down, take down. It was, it was crazy, actually, to really watch it. It's. If you haven't, guys, go back and, and you can find the playlist on, you know, Google it, you'll find it. And um, I, I, I was going to say, the takedown rules does strike me as something that would very much favour an amateur wrestler, which has yeah. puts us back into the Steve Williams camp as exactly. Steve was an amateur wrestler and he was a football tackle, which is exactly yeah. what this was about. It wasn't really about wrestling or punching so much if you could get as many takedowns on the other guy as you could, you were going to win because you got more points for takedown rather than knockdown. So Absolutely. Which is, yeah. which again, going exactly. I mean, I genuinely do think this was self for Dr. For, for Dr. Dead. And he just <laughs> screwed up completely. Or again, as we alluded to earlier on, Barcon just got lucky. And, and that can happen, you know? We'll talk about that. Time, we'll, get to yeah. it, we'll get to it. Yeah. So this fight is completely irrelevant because uh, Steve Blackman got injured in training and uh, it's gone. So Mark Miro advances to the next round. So Mark Canterbury gets battered by Bradshaw. Bradshaw absolutely kills him to be fair. And Bradshaw goes on to the next round. Um, it was, I was expecting more from that fight, but neither one of them looked very good in my opinion. Guys, what do you think, James? I, I, the thing that gets me about this match is like Danny Hodges, the referee. Do you guys know who Danny Hodges? Is he the guy who looks like the really old priest from Father Ted? Yes, he is. Um, <laughs> Dan- Danny Hodge, um, even at that age, could have like broken every bone in Mark Canterbury and Bradshaw's body with very little effort. <laughs> Danny Hodge is a former NWA junior heavyweight champion, and when he was an amateur at Oklahoma, I was no, he was in Nebraska. He was in Nebraska for four years. He was All-American. He won the college championship 
four years in a row. He didn't just lose a point in his entire college amateur career. He was never taken off his feet for four years. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. Here's another question, right? So he had legitimate, he had legit people around it, like oh, judging. Yeah, yeah. And Imagine what they thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, what am I doing here? <laughs> what is yes. this garbage? Danny's a worker, so obviously he's getting paid. He wouldn't yeah. mind. And he, he was also another friend of JR's. He would help JR get into the business to start with. So obviously he lent legitimacy to this product and that gave them something to work with. But yeah, like I can imagine Danny Hodge going like, what are these two books doing here? <laughs> the thing is that if they were going to do this, I mean, there's two ways to do this. You do it like the company you were talking about earlier, James, where you go out and you tell the guys, fight for three minutes and in the last 30 seconds uh dr death goes over with a, a a right hook and you you pad the gloves or whatever the other way of doing it is you do it as a shoot but you don't just pick 16 guys and throw them out there you send them off for six months to do proper training like camp. fight yeah. training and then you bring and you make a big deal out of it and you bring them back and then you do it that way but uh again the the fell between the stools here Here's the thing, they did send them to training camp. Did they? <laughs> I was uh, oh when the god when the Severin uh, on the Severin and Shamrock stuff, like when we'll get to the Severin fight, but they asked Severin on the night and he was like, Well, all right, but those guys have had six months of training camp and I haven't. They planned this. This was no this way. I actually had training camp for the non-experienced guys, and the guys had been training for it. Obviously, guys like Blackman and Merrow knew what they were doing, and had, but they'd had it drilled into them since they were kids. Canterbury and Bradshaw were barroom fighters. You know, they're, that they're is mental. Oh, that's the, that makes it worse, James. That makes it, <laughs> that makes it so, so much worse. It's like, oh. That makes it so much worse. So, some of them lads were fighting like the way you see kids in the street fighting. You know, just yeah. running in real close and swinging wild haymakers that aren't actually landing anywhere. Like, yeah, no, I, the, I'm I mean, stunned. There's a couple of the pro wrestlers who obviously had shoot backgrounds who knew what they were doing with takedowns, and we'll talk about them when we get there. But they they had training camps. They were training for fire based conditions, even if it was just conditioning and stuff, not necessarily skill sets. They switched their. And you may notice a couple of them aren't quite as ripped as they normally are, because obviously you don't need to be ripped to be. That makes a sense fight. as well, actually. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you look at somebody like um, Bart Gunn, actually, is a good example, and Bob Holly. They're both pretty ripped around this particular time period, but they kind of softened up for this because you don't need muscle mass. You need, you know, you, too much muscle is too heavy for this kind of thing. So that's exactly the point. That's the point I was making earlier on. Like bodybuilders are the worst people to fight because they can't move. I, I have a feeling that uh, this six months training that uh, Bradshaw and Canterbury were maybe signing in and then going home because the two of them get in. going to the bar. Yeah, because the two of them get in the ring, they swing for the heavens for 30 seconds, and then both of them are just it's, gassed. Yeah. Like they're I, out I, for the next, like for the next three rounds, they're just, they're done. Uh, Honestly, I watched the, that great thing last week and Sam Watanabe, who I love, he was the most handsome like wrestler I've ever seen anywhere, gets in, first three minutes, haymakers for the first round. And I'm like, that's just more, just hit him as hard as you possibly can and hope you land one. 
<laughs> That's what they tell wrestlers to do in situations. But see, I, I mean, it makes sense. Try to go in and get the quick knockout. But I mean, if the two of them are doing it, they cancel each other out. And that's exactly what happened. And yeah, then Bradshaw so. got, you know, actually got kind of lucky. But I mean, that really could have went either way. Not from skill, almost from lack of skill. You know, well, there's yes. a, I can't, does anyone remember which fight it is particular? Uh, I can't remember which one it is. But there's a fight where the two gays both go for a double leg takedown at the same time and basically end up just like banging heads like two bulls, you know, <laughs> knocking into each other. And the fact that both of them weren't like knocked out was a bloody miracle. That sounds like Draws and Hawk, I think. That's what I was thinking as well, yeah, because that, that's Could've the one that, that got colour very early on as well. Yeah. Could have been that one, yeah. So Bradshaw See, got the... it's hard to tell the difference because every single one of them got jobber entrances. They all came out no, to the oh, same. Yeah. I, meant, I meant to say that. Actually, same I, music. I had that wrote down. <laughs> I I apologize to the two years for making you listen to that terrible music. It's Consistently, constant. constantly, it was played over and over again. And do, it was like, do you know what it reminded me of Dara? Uh, do you oh. remember we did the um, NWO? Was it oh, sold out? It, it was the NWO I, jobber music. Or the jo- or the music every gives, single, yeah. every single match was an NWO guy versus the WCW guy. So you heard the goddamn NWO soundtrack like fifteen <laughs> times in the one night. No, we got the we got the Jobber NWO music as well. We didn't get the proper one. It was like the B side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't wasn't uh, Hogan and Nash. Oh man, yeah, no, it, I, and then I think they actually get that movie that uh, music to Jackie or Jacqueline later on. Mm. They gave it to one of the divas, so that's how much they appreciated it. And that's not a that's not a job at the the divas. I mean, the divas in nineteen ninety nine were not well respected at all. So it was a quite a, a you know downgrade for uh, for that music. That music was terrible anyway. So we had the the aforementioned Bracus and Salvia Vega. Salvia Vega, you know, made a show of Bracus, and Bracus would be gone, uh, injured, and then gone. Uh, you know, pretty much within that night. Darren uh, draws Drawsdorf would defeat uh, Road Warrior Hawk, and that's the fight that we want to talk about. So this was this was the only draw of the competition as well. I don't mean draws and people want to see. I mean it was a draw, like you know, <laughs> just just to, to make that very very clear. Um, so yeah, I mean it had this actually had some pretty cool moments. There was a good moment in it where um, um, Hawk's milk guard got knocked out. And uh, road um, draws actually spits his out, and the crowd kind of pops for it. I was like, "Oh, that was cool," but other than that, like there were just, <sighs> I don't know. It was it was three rounds of nothing, but you know, less nothing than the other ones. So it was it was enjoyable, but I was also kind of sitting there going, "This would have been better. If this had been worked. You know, you probably could have had a good story between them two. They actually would have been a really good. Uh, they actually would a really good pairing in the ring, but." Not like this. I mean, well, Hawk had a bit of a rap. Yeah, uh, absolutely, he did. Yeah, yeah. I, the, I remember Michael Hayes telling a story on Legends Roundtable once about they were in Florida and Georgia had been doing shows in North Florida, and um, Florida promoters were not happy about it. Bruiser Brody just goes, "Well, you know what we should do? We should get a truck of our guys and we should go down to their show and we should beat the shit out." Sorry, I didn't swear there. <laughs> so we okay. should beat, beat the hell out of them. And like Hayes, Hayes is like, well, they've got Hawk and Animal, and they've got the Andersons, and, and got those guys, and 
couple of the other. And we've got you and Gordy. Let's stay here. <laughs> <laughs> like here's the thing, a lot of these guys were like again, even ones that you wouldn't expect because of the gimmick, like the Godfather. The Godfather is legit probably one of the toughest guys in the WWE at the point as well. Um but this did more damage than prove that they were actually tough, you know, because you could actually see what they were doing in the ring. And while this was a draw, Draws wasn't, didn't have a rep. He was, I think he, he'd only debuted in the company. I think he wasn't even there a year. If he was there a year, I, I would be surprised at, in 1998. Uh, he was a pro football player. So he was, he was you know, yeah. legitimately athletically tough. But that's yeah. not necessarily, you know, fight tough. That's, that's no, you mean, know, I if you can handle yourself for a 60-minute football game, you are tough. Uh, he would play for the Broncos. He played NFL football. He was a tough guy. But that's and he, not... And he, and he looked really good as well. He wasn't bad. Yeah. But, I mean... It, Let's like, not forget either, on the other side of it, that this is... This mid-1998 Hawk is not, you know, 1990s WCW Road Warriors Hawk. Yeah. You know, this is this is a guy who's... In you know the middle of a, a pretty serious uh, uh, drug addiction, and like he's <laughs> is he even that uh, is he even that long left for the company at this stage? Well, here's what would happen: he would be injured in this fight and um, gone after this. So draws advances, yay! Um, <laughs> yeah. So we the painkillers issue started, wasn't it? So yeah. Yeah, yeah. it could have been related to this. We don't know, but already we've had three pretty severe injuries. <laughs> it's only the first rounds. Uh, Bark Gun defeated Bob Holly uh, by decision, and yeah, Bob did not look. I mean, for someone who you know made a career of or reputation of beating up people pretty heinously, he got battered by Bark Gun. I mean, Bart, yeah. you know, Bob's, knows what he's doing. Like when you actually stop and. Like, don't just accept that, uh, yeah, Bob Holly's a legit badass. Like, that's what you're constantly told. But when you actually examine that, who did you really see him beating up? Like, we saw him beating up tough enough contestants, and we saw him beating up, uh, you know, that one tough enough winner with Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit helping well, him out. <laughs> like, well, like listen, who, who have we ever seen Bob Holly he legitimately? Al Snow in the river. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I think this is the thing, though. There's there's like three levels of toughness in pro wrestling, right? There's guys like Bob, who are like, if you watch that match, he had with Rob Van Dam for the ECW World Championship, and he landed badly on a table. Oh, that was I got nasty. A six inch, got a six-inch gash up his back and just. Yeah. Oh man, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. yeah. Then you, yeah. Then you have people like Blackman and Mero and Bart Gunn who have genuine five backgrounds yeah. you can look after themselves and then you've got people like ken shamrock and minora suzuki and yoshiaki fujiwara who can tear your head off yeah yeah <laughs> that's fair there's a hierarchy yeah as a triangle you have workers at the bottom you have shooters in the middle and at the top you have hookers and there's no hookers in this tournament except on seven <laughs> I actually would have loved to see Ken Shamrock in this. He would have won it, though. That's the thing. He actually would have won it. Yeah, I, I, I think well, he I was, was the only one who would have been like legitimately entertaining to watch as well. well I, I was I was watching a documentary on the first UFC actually, and it's funny because people don't really realize the first UFC was very much. I don't want to use the word rigged. Kind of rigged. 
because it was you know a Gracie um, a, a Gracie promotional show basically to get over um, Gracie Jiu Jitsu and uh, Ken Shamrock talking about it he's like yeah you know and it's like comparing it to the Brawl for All it's like wow okay the first UFC could have went the way of the Brawl like you know it could have worked like Brawl for All could have worked but there was a very very clear what they what they were trying to do by getting um, the Gracies over and eventually to win they were able to successfully do it. You know, they had certain tips, like, for example, um, wearing of the gi and all that kind of stuff, and Ken Charmock wasn't able to wear certain things that he'd normally wear going out to fight. Um, and it's like, okay, fair enough. And it's very similar to this, where, you know, the rules were skewered in the way of, you know, takedowns been worth more and that. But, you know, again, guys who know what they're doing versus guys who have no idea what they're doing, taken completely out of their, their comfort zone, and it becoming a train wreck. I mean, you throw a bunch of guys who train fighters in, they're still going to fight. They might be at a disadvantage and you can actually kind of massage that. You throw a bunch of guys who don't know how to fight or who are wrestlers yeah. and you get this disaster. And again, it's funny because both Michael Cole, sorry, not Michael Cole, um, Jim Ross and any commentator he has, be it Shawn Michaels or any else sitting in the booth, always put over. Now, this is over their comfort. This is out of their comfort zone. They're not trained fighters. And you're like, these are not words you should be saying. <laughs> not words you yeah. should be saying. It's been your focal point of commentary. Yeah. 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 And this is the thing, you know, and it's like, if they'd done this a year later and they'd had Steve Regal on the roster. Oh, yeah. He'd have murdered all of them. Steve Regal, <laughs> Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, like, even Jericho, like, you know, you could have done it, but then again, you wouldn't do it because, I mean, nobody benefits from this. Like, we're coming up next to, to Steve Williams' debut for you, right? And mm-hmm. he comes out again. He's the only one with the video package. Everyone's saying how great he is. Jim Ross is losing in mind, saying how amazing he is. He goes out. He has a pretty good performance. And to be fair, he really does. Wins by TKO, and it's 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 compre- it's it's a comprehensive fight, right? But yeah. it's also the most rigged. You know, as I said, I didn't even realize that who he was fighting. <laughs> I thought it was just some some do geek like, and um. <laughs> You know, because that's the way he was presented. He he did not, and he was given no time. And I think he, it was like twenty five or something. It was like like the doctor that had like twenty, twenty or twenty five. It was really really high points wise. Um, well, and yeah, when he went through one one of the other issues with this uh, concept as a whole is now it, it never got as bad as um, WCW when Russo was there and he was. You know the whole thing was Everton's uh, shoot, work, shoot, shoot, work, shoot. Um, but you remember the pay per view, uh, the WCW pay per view we reviewed. It was like the worst one we've ever seen, and they kept going. This, this is real. Like what's happening now is real, folks. This isn't part of the show. This is real. Oh yes. And uh, all that's doing is just taking a giant dump on the rest of the show because that's just reminding you that everything else you're watching is is phony bullshit. Yeah, there was in the first fight. Sorry for interrupting you. Uh, they were like trying to still promote Kane versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> "What are you doing? <laughs> this is just ridiculous." You like, know? all right, ladies and gentlemen, while you're enjo- enjoying this legitimate bout, we'd just like to remind you that up next we have a fire demon from hell. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's what it was. It's like a fire demon from hell fighting a, a redneck. <laughs> you know, it's like that's 
you realize what you're doing to your show. <laughs> you're diminishing it so much, you know. Um, yeah. Um, so that was uh, one one after. No, it it never got quite as bad as that. Um, as the WCW stuff, because they they kind of walk the line a little bit by using phrases like you were saying, like, "Oh, this is." Out of their environment, out of yeah. their comfort zone. This is, you know, different. They didn't rules. say real. They didn't say this is they, real. You know. Yes, yeah. they didn't go quite that far, but that is definitely one of the major vibes I got from it was that, you know, this this is the real fight. Everything else is is the play stuff. Yeah, and it's just it, it's the worst look in the world. Like it really is. You know, if this had been, remember a couple of years ago for like two weeks they had Raw um, Underground. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like a two-week thing. I was like, oh, that actually would have been cool. Like, its own cornered-off kind of thing where you could do something like this as part of the show, but not in the show. Um, Again, that that was that was all down to... That wasn't necessarily a bad idea. That was just down to the execution of it. Like, that, yeah. that could have been a really good thing um, if you'd have just kept it completely separate and, you know, had the, you know, like a trophy or a title or something for them, but kept it Totally Completely separate. separate. The rest yeah. Of the, yeah, I think yeah. bringing it, bringing it into the ring, bringing it into show, and then promoting the rest of the show during it is just, it's just a really bad look. I mean, it's, it's, it just is. But what's funny about these fights after it, and we are going to have to go to break now in a second for for Phoenix FM. But Godfather loses to Dan Severn in the next fight, right? Dan Severn then goes on on TV and he goes, "Listen, I have nothing to prove." And then Godfather goes through, and you're like, "What?" What is going on here, folks? <laughs> Why are you doing this? So they go through this whole fight. Dan Severn kills the Godfather. And uh, Godfather goes through. That's two people in two separate fights. That They've lo- lost and... Lost and went through. Yeah. The Dan <laughs> Severn thing, again... Nonsense. I, I have a notion that what happened there is Severn looked at this thing and said, this is a disaster somebody's going to get injured or somebody's going to get like a lucky shot in or I'm going to, you know, step backwards and twist an ankle or pull a hamstring and and, and get bet by one of these fellas on a fluke. Yeah. And that's the end of, of my gimmick. Um, plus, like, man, there was a lot of stuff in this that's uh, just an absolute no-no, like punches to the back of the head and all that stuff like so, I, yeah I imagine, stuff that would never be allowed like i mean yeah. i can't like i was watching that going oh my god what are you doing like i i what? imagine that the guys who were legit fighters were looking at that going i'm not risking that that's not well, worth I, well, 75 I, I, fake thousand dollars i did the same interview with Severin and that was so interview seven and shamrock and shout seven was like he didn't get what you said. I won't wear gloves. He said, but then you can't throw punches. He said, I don't want to throw punches. I've no need to throw punches. Why would I throw punches? I can just keep taking him down and win the points. And they were like, no, no, you've got to wear gloves to make it fair. And he's like, but I won't throw a punch. Promise I won't throw a punch. And you can disqualify me if I throw a punch. Like, no, 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 you've got to wear gloves. Hold that thought, though. Hold that thought, James. We are going to have to go to break, folks, here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. If you if this is your first time checking out the show and you're like, what are you talking about? Good news. You can go over to uh, the True Penny channel, check out all of our shows. They're also on Earth Low Media. We have shows going back about well, 100 and, 116 shows. This is 116. So you can we're halfway through 1999 at the moment, uh, just before WrestleMania. So uh, go over and check that out again. Um, if you want to check out the True Penny channel, go over. You can find out all their content. It's uh, it's all there for you guys again. James, anything you want to plug before we get out of here for Phoenix Family Stuff? Uh, 
You can find the Troopany Show at Troopany Show on Twitter whilst it's still there. You can find it on uh, Instagram, the Troopany Show, and on Facebook, the Troopany Show, and on Patreon, the Troopany Show as well. And we have a Discord called Troopany Show Podcast. Perfect. Guys, we're going to come back here for the rest of the show. Again, if you're listening to us on Phoenix 92.5M, go over to any of those places that James has mentioned or go over to Nerd to Know Media. Go over to uh, TheRestingRewind.com. All the links are there so you can listen to us anyway, so there's no excuse to not find out what's going on. We're going to the second round now. Martin, real quick. Listen to us there with bonus swearing. There is bonus swearing as well, so we're allowed. The gloves are off. See what I did there? We're like the Dan Severins now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, guys, we'll be back after uh, this break if you're listening to us on the podcast. If not, we we'll see you next week here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. And guys, we're back here on the Wrestling Rewind. On to the second round. Of, are we not, uh, not going to talk about 8-Ball versus Scorpio? We are, yeah. But we're on to the second round of uh, the the Brawl for All tournament with the, show, with the matches we were able to see. Because the next match we're going to talk about in the first round was April versus Scorpio, which has been lost to time for reasons we talked about in the first hour. So, James, I'm going to give you the floor here and quickly sum this up because I haven't been able to see this fight again. I don't know if you have, but you might have some background I, on it. I, I remember in my brain they're showing highlights of it very shortly, um, possibly because it was a really dull fight because it went to the full distance and it went on points and because it was yeah. probably dull. Um, and I would think that Scorpio had an advantage because Scorpio was trained in the New Japan Dojo by Yoshiaki Fujiwara and um, at the time, along with Chris Benoit. So I'm guessing that he had no problem taking down 8-Ball, <laughs> <laughs> who was a big lad from yes. the South. Yes. And, I, I can't really comment on the Scorpio 8-Ball fight because I did not see it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, my joke was better than that. <laughs> but uh, look, I, I there's pro- that's probably the reason why James as well. But also, I mean, okay, here's a funny one for you. What happens, or what do you think would have happened if Eight Ball had a, won his fight or won the whole thing? <laughs> that would have been an awkward look. They're like, oh, lad, a, lot, is- a lot of a lot of foundation on his arm. <laughs> You say you say that, and it's like, but you think about the feuds that they were involved in at the time. So it was like Nation of Domination versus the Puerto Rican, oh, um, El Baracos, wasn't it? Against yeah. Shane's Bike again. What were they called? Oh, it was my Disciples of Apocalypse. So was and Apocalypse, who were the baby faces in that feud? It was the Disciples of Apocalypse. Oh, that's the literal yeah, white supremacists <laughs> were the baby faces over the Latinx team. And over the black team. <laughs> so awkwardness? No, okay. I don't think Vince would have cared. <laughs> That's a fair point. I, I forgot to factor in the time period we're talking about where we, we keep a running list of signs and horrendous things that are said on commentary. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that's a very good point i mean i guess not the fight must have just been really dull then or one-sided so that's probably why um okay well look on to the second round again matches we were able to see uh mark miro versus bradshaw bradshaw would win via points and again look this was a bradshaw fight he did pretty much the exact same thing he did in his first fight but you know he was able to dominate mark miro because mark miro's a smaller guy he he just lay on top of him yeah, that was he it. Yep. Got in close and threw his arms around him so Miro couldn't punch. And then but basically he did some just really, he did leaned some, on him. Yeah, he did some really, really 
oh, we can swear, some really, really shitty things where, yeah, he would just look at the clock and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Stop. Yeah, and just yeah. hold him, yeah, because yeah. rounds are only a minute long. Uh, yeah. Do you also hear him, like you can hear him really giving shit to the referee? I didn't hear that. Like, no, well, did you catch oh, what he yeah, said? Or? It's just like, just like really giving shit to the referee. Like, they, like I, I think he still has in his head that the referee's a wrestling referee oh, yeah. when he's not. Like, like he's, ask him, ref. he's, ask him. <laughs> but when he's in there acting as a legit referee, so when the referee's getting in there and telling him to break the hold and he's not breaking the hold and the referee's like roaring at him, like really dressing him down to break the hold. Um, you know, it's not like like in wrestling where he's playing the bad guy. Like the referee's legitimately... Uh, pissed at him or legitimately That's worried for your safety. I, I didn't capture that. Well, I didn't, but I mean, I guess when you're used to something like that, it's probably really hard to break that. You know, where you're like, oh, this is part of, you know, where you're just. Yeah, that's a very that's a good catch, Martin. Did you catch anything, James, uh, that that we haven't mentioned with this fight? Or I, I think no, I think it is just because like Murray was a classical stylist. He's a good boxer, and he's trying mm-hmm. to he's going to go to his strength and Bradshaw isn't, he's just a brawler. So he's just going to try and maul his way through this. And that's basically what he did. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's not. And again, this, this goes back to like, you know, you're watching guys who don't know what to do in fight. And sometimes it is just, if you've got a, like a 50 pound height, a 50 pound weight advantage and four inch high advantage and a reach advantage, you're going to win. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, like there's a funny thing when you're, we were talking about, I know it's unrelated, but we were talking about breaking boards and there's yeah. a certain amount of technique to that. But if you're punching a board and if you wait, like if you have a certain amount of weight, that board's going to smash, you know? And it's the same, it's the same logic when you're punching someone. If you have a certain weight advantage, it doesn't really matter if you know how to punch. If you do a kind of half right, you're going to smash through that someone, someone's face. like, And that's what happened to poor Mark Miro. He was like, I'm going to get hammered here. And he did. You know, and Bradshaw yeah. just killed him. Like, and that was it. And then he did all this, all the the shitty things as well, where sitting on him, and he would do that again with with draws. But draws was a little bit bigger, so he was able to kind of get out of it a bit more. But you know, at this point, Bradshaw was showing up for what he was, in my opinion. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. He, he, like just pure un un unsportsmanship behavior uh, from this yeah. point on. And uh, not not a tough guy. Just no, a bully. not a tough guy. No, just a bully and, and you know, and a cheater as well. Actually, I would say I'd say you know on that line. But I mean, if you're looking at the screen and you're like, no, that should have been there should have been some kind of admonishment for that. But you know, I think what would happen in the final was enough of a, of an admonishment. If I'm honest. <laughs> um, so look, uh, the next one actually was pretty decent. I I have to give it to them. Uh, Vega and Draws had a really, really competitive <clears throat> little fight. Uh, went the distance. Uh, draws would win on points, deservedly so. Um, what do you guys th- uh, did? Do you guys pick up on this as well? I I was actually quite entertained watching this fight. Yeah, um, like I say, it, even uh, even though like they're obviously not fighters, there were moments throughout this where you had good exchanges, good interactions, maybe like a really good shot or two. Um, of <laughs> of all the people who can't fight. Uh, Vega and Draws certainly had athletic backgrounds, so they, they didn't they didn't go out and get gassed. No, um, and yeah, there's again, it's uh, 
it, this gets shown up so much in the Butterbean fight at WrestleMania when you see just the level of difference between the guys who don't know what they're doing and the guy who does. But of all the fights of the guys who didn't know what they were doing, yes, this was one of the better ones. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, agree. yeah, I, I, I think it, it's a credit to the two of them. It's a credit to, to Vega and Ross, who, you know, it, it, knowing what we know, um, that his career would be short, would be cut short much later on. It really is unfortunate because you're like, oh man, you actually, you really, really had something there, you know. But that's another, another topic. Uh, James, sorry, I cut across you there. I do agree with mine. It's 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 a actually entertaining thing to watch, and mm. it's as well as styles make fights. You know, you've got two guys, one who's not particularly experienced at takedowns and stuff, but is athletic and not going to get gas because you know he's used to working in short bursts and going for hours and hours on end. Mm. Um, else, who's probably had enough barroom fights in his career to be able to figure out like how to get the best out of the skills he's got, and yeah. that's what they, yeah. Yeah, I would say that's probably, if not the best fight, definitely one of the two, of the whole yeah. thing. Um, so if you're, if you're for some reason want to watch a, a brawl for all <laughs> fight again, that's the one to watch. Um, draws will get the win and uh, would go on to the semi-finals with Bradshaw. So then we had where it all fell apart, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> where the seams and wheels came off this in spectacular fashion, and. It's actually really funny to watch because the whole mood of the whole thing just drops. I mean, it w- it wasn't flying high anyway. It was like a kite that was kind of going up. But when this fight was finished, the kite was on fire and the dog was pooping on it. Like, um, Bart Gunn KO'd Steve Williams. <laughs> and not only did he KO him in like a, like a lucky shot, it was a lucky shot. And then he finished him. And it was just yeah. like, damn. The the damn. other thing about this KO was uh, Steve Williams came within four seconds of rescuing his gimmick. Because yeah. I think the actual killer shot. So Bart Gunn probably won the fight. Like yeah. even without points. that ending. Yeah, he but won on points. Yeah, they could have gimmicked the points or whatever. Or, yeah. you know, Vince got him in the rear saying, you know, Williams goes over. But, uh Four seconds on the clock, and then Bart Gunn hits him with this left hook. That literally, this massive guy and his whole reputation for being a being a tough guy just knocks him flat on his ass, and then clean out. Yeah, it was. It's not the best knockout ever. That comes much later on, but it was so comprehensive that you're like, it, it killed his career. Like it, it when that was career, it killed his gimmick. That was it. You don't come back from that because that's what everybody remembers. And he didn't. You know, that was it. And it was like, uh, this is probably, you know, we we mentioned a couple of times, this is probably what um, Severin was worried about, what Shamrock was worried about, what anybody with sense was worried about, where it's like, if he hits me and it's a lucky shot and my arms go down and finishes it, that's it. You know, and that's exactly what happened. Gun gets the shot because you can see about about 20, 30 seconds into that last round, before that last couple of series of real devastating shots, you can see uh, Steve Williams takes a really awkward step backwards. Yeah. yeah. And then his, like, his like, hamstring or something goes. Yeah, and he, he, he actually, he's, he looks hobbled, and he kind of walk, you know, walks over to him then, and that's when, 
that's when he knew he was in trouble. But you're still like, ah, oh, no, he's gonna he's gonna win it. But Bart is surprisingly big, you know, and he just, you know, he knew what to do, and he just went over and did it. Now, to be fair, it's funny you watch him talk about it. He goes, "Yeah, I kind of knew my career was over at this point." It's like, <laughs> then why didn't he just take a dive? Why didn't he let him win? You know, that's the bit that I'm like puzzled by. I can't believe no one said to him, "Let me let him win." The, the interview with um, Bob Holly when he talked about it, it was like, uh, yeah, Bart was willing to do business. All he had to do was say, would you mind? And yeah. We'll pay you. And it was like, no oh, can't believe no one said it to him. Yeah. It's just like, but no one did. And they were just like, it's, so as far as Bart was concerned, $100,000. Yeah. First, at the end, see if I win this and uh, I might do something for my career. And, you know, and, um, but yeah, that was a thing. And here's the thing. Right, the perfect way to debut Steve Williams was already done. It was in all Japan yep. Pro Wrestling, right? First night there, he's tagging with Gordy, and it's at Currican Hall, and the camera pans down the aisle, and Doc just looks dead eye in the camera, doesn't blink, and just stares the camera down with a death glare for 30 seconds. Over. That's it. They win the World Tag League that year, or Strongest Determination Tag League at a stretch. And they did business for everybody. They made Giant Baba and Andre the Giant look like gods. <laughs> but they won the tournament. They were the most over-tag team in Japan. You don't have to do anything more than that. That's easy. That's all you have to do with Doc Williams, Dr. Death Steve Williams, is just show Dr. Death Steve Williams. Well, so see, why go through all this mess? Because <laughs> they were too busy showing Edge for some reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It randomly yeah. shows up before one of the fights. Yeah, I thought that was so odd because, yeah, I had to go in and out of the link a couple of times to make sure I was in the right one. Um, the the other thing that I thought about when I was watching this match was they they literally, they never learn from any of their experiences because I'm watching this and I'm watching Bart Gunn doing what he was told to do. He was told to go out and have a legitimate fight and win and getting punished for it. And it just made me think of, do you remember Kurt Angle challenged uh, one Daniel of the tough enough guys yeah, yeah. to a legit MMA or a legit wrestling match? Yeah. And he pretty much beat it. Like, okay, so they covered it by saying his shoulders were down or whatever. But he nearly broke Angle's arm yeah, and he, he was punished for it. Yeah. But th- that is what he was told to do. See, I, I, there's a lot of things said about hubris here, right? Where it's like, no one said to Bart Gunn, listen, this whole thing's a, this whole thing's a work. Uh, don't take, knock out the guy don't, or, don't or knock for yeah, Stone Cold. Don't knock out the star that we have here. He's the winner. Uh, you know, or even, you know, there was no foresight. I think they were just like, ah, oh, no, sure. Steve Williams is going to win this. Like, these guys are all oh, yeah. jokes. You know, <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> you're a wrestling company. What, what are you doing? <laughs> Everything else is fake here. Come on. Or work. Do you know, it's, it's so bizarre, but it is hilarious, though. And I, I, Sorry, James, I'll just come in here a second. It, it is hilarious, and I will urge everybody to, to, to go back and watch this. The coverage when this match starts to when it finishes is the funniest thing ever because they know they've messed up. And they're trying to scramble to, like, justify it, and they just can't. Sorry, James, go on. I was going to say, like, literally, since the days of the Gold Trust trio, professional wrestling has been about controlling what goes on in the ring. Yep. And who was the chief booker for, for the Golders Trio? It was Tootsmont, 
who was the chief booker for the New York Territory for like 60 years, who taught Vince's father everything about professional wrestling. And you could imagine Toots Mont spinning in his grave looking at this. (laughs) See, it's the most unprofessional wrestling thing in the world. The whole thing about it, it's like, it's the opposite of professional wrestling. It's it's just a train wreck. And I mean, that's probably why the crowd were so not into it, because... It doesn't feel like wrestling. It, it, and even the commentators at the beginning of the thing, at uh, the beginning of the contest, are trying to justify it by like, "Oh, this isn't wrestling. This isn't boxing. This is something else. This is brawl for it all." And you're like, you can keep saying it, Jr. Doesn't make it Jerry, any better. Jerry Lawler kept going, "You can't see this kind of thing anywhere else." Like he, like that was his catchphrase. Was you, you're not going to see this thing anywhere else. And I'm sitting there going, "Yeah." Fucking reason for that. <laughs> Nobody wants to see this. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of it, you know. They just were like, um, I don't know, man. I well it didn't get better from here. In fact, it got the mark the markedly worse, you know. But again, if I'm wrong on this perception of it, let me know because people just lost you could just tell like the people at the top lost interest. And there was no, they're like, okay, so either Bradshaw's going to win, which probably really annoyed Vince Russo, or they're like, they have Bart going eventually, or even, like, it would, at this point, you know, it could have been the Godfather, Scorpio, or Bradshaw, or Draws, that one, right? So we'll, we'll get to the next one, which is the Godfather versus Scorpio. We had the moment where Godfather came out with the hose, offered the hose to Scorpio. Scorpio said no, and Godfather won anyway. This was on points, went the distance. Um, this was actually the most pro-wrestling match of the whole lot. And I think that was probably the fu- they were trying to like salvage something. But um, what do you guys think of this one? Uh, the the main thing I remember from this one is uh, at one stage, Jr. Uh, Godfather hits Scorpio with a, a a big hook, and Jr. goes, "Oh my God, that was a stiff left." And uh, as he says that, the camera's pointing at one of the Godfather's hose arches. <laughs> And Jerry Lawler's jumping in going, I'd love to give her a stiff left. <laughs> and that just confused me. I was like, so if, if that's a reference to genitalia, do you have two? Do you have a left and a right? Or are you just saying you want to beat this woman? Like your your innuendo is bizarre, even for you, Jerry. <laughs> before or after he got taken off of TV for accusations of violence against me? <laughs> this was way before. Way yeah, before. So maybe he just meant he just wanted to. Maybe he just meant he just wanted to hit her. I'd love to hit that woman. Maybe, that, maybe that's what he was saying. So my question, I can't, I missed that one completely, man. So my question, is that better or worse than Mark Madden's, like, gross? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, one of the, the many missed opportunities of the invasion angle was we never got a Mark Madden, Jerry Lawler commentary book. Oh, imagine. Oh, it'd be terrible. <laughs> but also incredible at the same time. Uh, in, in, in an alternative universe, it's not uh, Paul Heyman and... JR uh, calling WrestleMania 17. <laughs> it's Mark and yeah. Jerry Lawler. <laughs> Jerry Lawler. Yeah. <laughs> Making really confusing, angry innuendo. <laughs> or random noises, as it were. Oh, God. Mark doesn't like the minute, so I'd probably best stay away from this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we 
we did hold James... them accountable for 20 years ago stuff they've done 20 years ago <laughs> we did uh we did a wcw pay-per-view um a while ago and it was really down in the doldrums it was when wcw is absolutely circling the 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 bottom of the drain and uh mark madden's brought in for a couple of months and he he does this it's not even the words it's every time the women are wrestling every time there's like a roll up or like a pain you know something with the legs in the air or arse <laughs> in the air or something like that all you'd hear on the over the microphone is him going <laughs> and it's so bad that the two lads are just so stop and look at him and they're like control yourself it's so awful it's, so it's worse than it's worse than anything he could say <laughs> Well, the reason he doesn't like me, as I told Daryl this earlier this week, is because he he put a tweet out a couple of months ago because he was saying AEW need to stop being so positive about their product because it, it, it means that, you know, people don't get a, a fair representation of what they're saying about. And I'm like, you were a wrestling commentator who used to say, literally, Monday Nitro is the greatest television program going and this pay-per-view next weekend <laughs> is the most awesome thing you will see ever because that was your job. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you want them to say this is a terrible track don't watch it <laughs> they're a promotions company their job is to promote oh, that's funny so funny but guys yeah. if you want if, if you want to check out the thing that we're lying because we're genuinely not go back and check out the older shows where we're covering the death of WCW and that's where you get the best Mark Madden but also the worst Mark Madden <laughs> I hope he comes on the show one time so we can be like so what's with those weird noises? <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> anyway, so Bradshaw. We should we, we should get him on the show and just harass we him. We yeah. <laughs> get him on and get him on the show and go, Mark Baden, you got uh, 20 years experience as a, as a uh, wrestling commentator, but a weird one to ask is, you know, uh, how do you look so damn good? Huh? <laughs> huh? Sweet lips. Why don't you bring that ass over here, Mark? Sit beside me and put my arm around you while we do this interview. <laughs> so, I do. So, and draws. Semi final. I feel, I feel bad for draws here because draws should have won this. Um, it would have been. They could have salvaged this, really, right? If draws had have won the whole thing. You had a star, right? Arguably, anybody who won this, theoretically, you had a star. Draws, you probably would have got had the most legs to go places with this, based on who was there. Unfortunately, yeah. Bradshaw won because Bradshaw did what he did in the last competition, the last uh, round where he just pretty much sat on draws, and you know that was it. Looked at the clock and you know won on points. So it was a dirty win. But I felt bad for even, God. even by this stage, Dara. I was really questioning the point system here, because so it's five points for punch, five points for a takedown. Yeah. And I was looking at that match with um, Mark Miro and Bradshaw, mm. and right, Bradshaw obviously just lays on top of him and gets maybe one or two takedowns. Yeah. But Mark Madden is peppering him with punches Mark the whole time. Mark Miro, Mark. sorry. Mark, Mark Nero <laughs> is uh, so Mark Martin versus John, like John Bradshaw and I was just starting me up again I'm sorry boys carry on <laughs> every time Bradshaw comes near him he just goes <laughs> <laughs> um, 
No, but Mark Miro is is peppering him with punches all the time, and I'm looking at it going, okay, right, Bradshaw's on top of him, but Miro's bound to be on like fifty points by now. He he's like. Like so, Bradshaw's leaning on him, but he's hit him with like six body shots in that time. So I was very confused by, you know, what they were counting and what they weren't counting as. So from my own, yeah, I had this. I had a very similar uh, question actually at one point because I'm like, wait, there, and I looked into it, and apparently it's no, who had the most punches. So it's kind of like um, in UFC, you have cage control, which is always a weird point anyway um so it was like if you had more punches than like uh control or or takedowns or anything that they would count so if you were both standing and you got the most punches you won but if they took you down and you had most like cage control or ring control that was counted the the other thing that got me it's very shifty though i mean that that, that's really bullshitty I would be pissed off with that, to be but fair. that's why it would have been so easy to bloody work it, you know. But um, the other thing I noticed <laughs> in this one was like way back in round one, where uh, Bradshaw gasses himself in thirty seconds, it draws like we were saying, legit athlete. Athlete is pretty fit, and this goes the three rounds, <laughs> and then the judges say it's a draw. And that they're going to have one more round, and the camera yes. cuts to Bradshaw, and he looks like he is about to cry. <laughs> yeah, because it goes. It's it nothing goes, left in the gas tank. It goes to sudden death, and yeah, actually that that look was hilarious because he was just not. Yeah. That was not in his game plan at all. I, I don't have the energy to lean on this guy for another sixty seconds. <laughs> I've done all the leaning I can. Come on, <laughs> only lean so much. <laughs> James, did you have anything on this one? Not really, but I think, I think Martin's covered it. Oh, you've just reminded me of a, an old story of Canadian wrestling running um, Dynamite Kids, but um, in a work match where Dynamite was wrestling, he was wrestling heavyweight, and Dynamite was super fit, obviously, back in the day. And they went to like a half hour draw. And uh, as, a, as a joke, Dynamite went to the referee and went, Referee, I want five more minutes. And his opponent walks away, fuck off, Tommy. She <laughs> 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 reminded me of that story. But yeah, I think you've got it covered there. It is, it's, it, yeah. One of Dynamite's less, one of Dynamite's less mean spirited pranks. It was Dynamite's book. They were all less mean spirited compared to what everybody else's story about Dynamite. But yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, 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 the. I think there was didn't, wasn't Mario and Bradshaw that went extra time as well. It was one of those? Mer- sure no, 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 no. Uh, Bradshaw and draws went extra time. I think. Yeah, Mer- Bradshaw. Yeah. Next time, there was one with Mero, One of Mero's fights went extra time as well. Did it? Was it? Yeah, I'm sure it did. Because oh. they had a draw. Um, but it, well, no, it couldn't have been unless it was unless it was the first one, the black one. I don't think it did. I'm sure there was. I'm sure there was a Mero one that went extra time. Anywho. But yes, no, you're you're right. It was it was a bit odd, but again, Bradshaw did have friends in the locker room. Wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I just figured something out, or just What's something that? just occurred. Something just occurred to me. So that went to extra time, but earlier on, draws and Hawk was a draw. Yeah, and they didn't go for a decision on that one. This is bu- this is bullshit, lads. I'm right. I'm looking here. It's, but I've got the results. So we've got the Wikipedia page. So it was like um, 
Droz and Hawk went to a draw, but Blackman and Merrow went to a decision. Yes. So it wasn't a TKO or a knockout. That was obviously like, would Steve Williams be PCO by technical knockout because he couldn't continue? Bar Gunn knocked out the Godfather. So Steve Blackman and Mark Merrow must have gone four rounds and then there was a decision to give Steve Blackman the win. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is like one of those. Um... Decision for Steve Blackman and Mark Merrow, but there was just a draw for Draws Drop and the Hawk. This is like one of those um, uh, magic eye paintings. You know, the the more you look at it, the more you see. It's like the more you examine this, the more bullshit you unveil. Uh, Pritchard did say they say it seemed like they were making stuff up as they went along. That was a phrase I heard a lot this week because I watched it in the future. Severin and um, Shamrock said something similar. It seemed like they were making it up as they went along. It, that's cr- like. I don't know. Like, well, alright. So Bradshaw <laughs> wins by points and goes to the final. Then we have Barkun versus the Godfather. A pretty look. Barkun looked great in this. It was a really comprehensive uh, KO on the Godfather. Godfather goes down like a sack of potatoes. And uh, up up until that point, though, as well, I thought Godfather looked pretty good. I think did, maybe yeah. maybe it was following on from having seen like the. Uh, you know the the Bradshaw matches where they're mm. just so hard to watch because he's just getting in close and laying on the guy. Where this was much more like a a kind of a competitive boxing kind of wrestling match. Like the you know the two of them, it was it was fairly uh, open and fairly free flowing kind of fight. You know, obviously until Bart Gunn just cleaned them. Yeah, and that's very true. Like it was, it was a much more entertaining fight to actually watch as a fight. But again, like Barkun's his mo just seems to be he goes in and gets these these knockouts, you know, and they're just kind of out of nowhere, you know, and he just has that ability to do it. And like the first fight was decision; every other fight was a knockout. They're also they've uh, they've started to cop on that there's something to Barkun here. Because it's after the Dr. Death win where they just completely stop referring to him as Bodacious Bart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he yeah. becomes Bart Gunn. Yeah. And then by the time he comes up to fight Butterbean, he's Bart the Anvil Gun. <laughs> it's like we have something here. We've accidentally made a star and let's kill him completely. Um, also, as I say, they also set up an angle for Bart Gunn with the Godfather in. Uh, a storyline because the Godfather interviewed in one of Barkon's matches. I think it was against Vader and cost him the match with Vader. So they they obviously kind of like were starting to actually promote this as a wrestling show should promote to people. So there was obviously like, oh, we best do something with this guy that we just accidentally made a star. Yeah, like it, it's crazy because even when he's coming out, he the crowd doesn't pop because the crowd doesn't care about anything. But they are like invested and, in him at this point because they don't know who's coming out because it's all the same bloody song. Yeah, oh jeez. But did you notice when they win, they play their other, they play their normal music? Do they? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even. Yeah, they do. They play their other music, but uh, uh yeah, what a mess. So I tell you the other thing that mm. I thought from this fight was that of all, so like we've talked about all the downsides of this brawl for all like. It wasn't a draw. People got injured. It was really boring to watch. 
you know, people wanted wrestling, they didn't want this. The other thing about it is, um, I imagine this would have had a fairly negative effect on egos and backstage morale and stuff like that. So mm. Bart and the Godfather seem pretty cool. Like there's there's a couple of fights where the gays shake hands or hug yeah. at the end. Yeah, I know there's other fights it. during this where you can clearly see that like lads are really pissed that they got beat or taking it really thick that they lost. And I imagine that, you know, in in a locker room already sort of heaving with egos, that that um that a lot of that stuff probably festered, you know, so further down the lane. So here's what they should have done, Martin, right? They should have done a press conference afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Where they give them muffins and then they can air their grievances. And then afterwards there can be a backstage shoe fight that nobody sees. <laughs> With the vice presidents, pretty soon we'll, the door down. Which is we'll shoot on the... we'll... Sorry, Sorry. Go on, Hello. 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 Yeah. Hello. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> my my joke killed the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say we'll rank it on the ace steel chomper scale. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, but can, like again, I think this is a time before the internet was really like a massive thing. So all like that's a very good point. I did notice that there was like a fair amount of sport, sportsmanship with a few of them, but some of them are just like, oh no, I'm not, you know, just really pissed off that they were like beaten, and it's like you lost comprehensively. Like what, you know? But I mean, uh, if, you, if you look at this list of people who were on this particularly ros- this roster within eighteen months, the only people who are still on the roster are Bob Ollie and Steve Blackman. Yeah, three of them, and the Godfather. Yeah, yeah. Although I think he was the good father then, wasn't he? The thousand one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, eight ball gone. Scorpio would gone to all Japan. Uh, seven and gone back to UFC. Uh, Williams gone to WCW. PCO may have still been there, but I don't know what he was doing. Well, Holly obviously was, but gone was gone to all Japan. Uh, Hawk was off ill. Uh, sadly, know what happened to Draws. Vega would still be there, but he, he was he went off to start his own promotion again in Puerto Rico. Bracus had gone. Bradshaw was still there. So it's three of them. Mark Canterbury was in and out, but he wasn't a regular anyway. Mark Marrow would be not much longer after this than Steve Blackman. So it's maybe four out of 16 people. Damn. Yeah. What a star-making adventure <laughs> this was. <laughs> um, so the final, gentlemen. Bradshaw, Bart Gunn, the 24th of August, 1998. Um, This was surprising, right? It it genuinely was. Because I don't think anyone expected Bradshaw to get knocked out as quickly as he did. It wasn't, (laughs) it was, it was seconds. First round, I think it was first round knockout. Um, Yeah, yeah, it was, it it was incredibly satisfying to see. Um, But damn, like, Bart it, it was kills him, kills him, absolutely kills it, him. It was almost worth it. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the two months of sitting through this crap was almost worth it for that scene where uh, Bradshaw's laying in the corner of the ring and the medics are in putting smelling salts underneath <laughs> his nose. <laughs> and he's like looking around him like he literally has no idea where he is. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, look, it was pretty funny. And it, but the thing of it is, 
you shouldn't be trying to like destroy someone like that on television. It's it it's and, wrong. And it's you know, it really it's is. only it's only satisfying nowadays because like we have hindsight and we know that Bradshaw was like a bully in the locker room and you know, really viciously hazed new people and stuff like that. Like at the time, fans didn't know that. So yeah, all they no. saw was that Bradshaw got knocked out. Like it 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 has an a, a level of satisfaction, but only in hindsight. That's my point. I'm like, if you're if you're running a fake worked company where your whole goal is to build stars up, and Bradshaw would you know go on to be one of the biggest stars in the company, which is still mad. Um, and it's like, okay, so you spend all this time and effort to destroy him so you can build him back up again. Why? Uh, it's just. But again, in hindsight, yeah, it's incredibly satisfying to see. It's actually kind of hilarious. But Bart going when you're watching him, he doesn't look like a winner. He just looks like some lad who walked in from the crowd, like, and just killed Bradshaw, <laughs> the, the wrestler. You know? <laughs> and every time you see Bart going, that's all I see. is like some guy who was like, yeah, I'll right, go in. I'll fight you. You know? Here's a question. Is watching this fight as satisfying as knowing that Joey Styles laid out Bradshaw with one point? Oh. Oh, that... <laughs> You know, you can't show what I learned his lesson. Like it's, <laughs> it goes back to what Martin said. People don't learn the lesson here at all. Like, no, no, they don't. No, it's it's it, no. This is it. It was just like, yeah, no. What? Oh, no. WWE <laughs> has sixty years of experience and ignores all of it. All Joey <laughs> had to do was just play brawl for all and go here. Do you want this again? I'll call Bart. <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh my god, that's yeah. Both are equally as satisfying, I'd say. But this one we can mm. actually see. Yeah, this is the, it's it, it's something we just happened in hotel foyer in Germany, didn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> so it's you know. And didn't didn't someone was... didn't someone batter Bradshaw in ECW as well when he was when he uh, uh, shot he, on the Blue Meanie? Um, a couple of lads made sure he got separated from the Blue Meanie very quickly. I think Sam Man and Dreamer managed to get him out of the way. Yeah, and, he, and I, th- I, I think he got a, a, a couple of real severe receipts in the ring yeah. for that as well. He did. Yeah, yeah, the lads went at him with uh, kind of everything after it. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, Meanie's never hurt anyone. Why go pick on Meanie? I don't know. Just he's it took me because he's because he's a bully. He's not a tough guy. He's, he's a bully. That's all he is. Yeah, that's it. It's you know, again, doesn't like different guy now, obviously, but mm. at the time it took him a long and that was two thousand and five. So that was what? Nearly eight years after getting his ass kicked him by Bart Gunn. Uh, <laughs> so here here's the here's the thing, Dara and and uh, James. Let me ask you this. How do you make like a what's the recipe for a perfect sports movie? Like you take an underdog that nobody's heard of, you give them a series of sort of unlikely victories, and then you put them up against the much bigger, much stronger bully, bad guy, and the underdog triumphs and wins. That's how you make a sports movie. It is. So even though WWE went out of their way to screw this up, they still got like the quintessential sports movie feel-good storyline out of it. And their response to getting that absolute shot in the dark was, 
we must punish this man. Because <laughs> here's the thing, <laughs> they had a legitimate star. Like, like it or not, Barkun was a legit star, and he could have rode on this forever. Like, WWE could have had this. For, he could have been like the Kurt Angle before Kurt Angle kind of thing, or the Ken Shamrock replacement, or, you know, insert whatever uh, mm. analogy you want. Because, I mean, he had proven himself to be the toughest guy, air quotes, in the WWE, right? And yeah, Martin, you're right. They they did nothing with him for a while. He had a couple of matches, but like they did nothing with him really for a while. And then their solution is WrestleMania. That's where we're going to get him. But move against Butterbean. Here's the thing, though, right? And Martin's absolutely right. I actually have a master's degree where I did my dissertation in sports movies, so I can say that. <laughs> oh well. Absolutely... <laughs> yeah, I did my I did film studies, and my my dissertation was sport and film. Um, then he's absolutely right. That is the perfect way to sell a sports movie. But here's the thing. It's not just that they punished Bart Gunn with this particular match at WrestleMania. They took him off TV for three months. Yep. Because I can't zero remember bill. anything happened to him from the moment he beat Bradshaw to the next time I saw him, which was coming out against Butterbean with a short back and sides. Yeah, he got a haircut as well, which is yeah. like... It's so it's weird, almost, man. It's far too Samsonian a... for yeah. <laughs> it's far too Samsonian like, for my particular tastes. But like, <laughs> so it's you've you've learned, right? So by the time we get to WrestleMania, it's been nine months since Brawl for All. Yeah, give or take. Give or take. Around yeah. that. So like again, just completely failing to learn from their mistakes like by this stage everyone knew brawl brawl was a total disaster so what do you do right if you're going to stick him in against butterbean say hey butterbean obviously you're a professional boxer you're going to win this uh but here's a hundred grand go, go, <laughs> go make go him a two, star go two rounds with him you know make it look like a, a sporting contest or if you're going to have butterbean involved have butterbean and um and uh, Bart Gunn, you know, in a tag team against two, you know, whoever two of the biggest heels are at the time and have them beat them. <laughs> like, this was... Oh, here's one, right? Butterbean and Bart Gunn versus the APA. <laughs> Brilliant. Or, yeah, yeah, I can yeah. do the acolytes. I mean, there you go. I mean, it writes itself, you know? It's, <laughs> it writes itself. Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not being funny, but did not... Floyd Merriweather, arguably one of the greatest technically proficient boxers of all time, carry Conor McGregor for 12 rounds. It's true. And made it look legit. <laughs> made it look legit. <laughs> made it look legit. You know, it... You know, and all this, he only had to carry him for three minutes. It can be done. <laughs> it can be done. I, I just I just genuinely don't think that this, that this specific match at WrestleMania 15 was for any other reason other than to punish him. Where, oh, well, here's uh, the thing. He had to agree 100%. to it. But, okay, right. He had to agree to it. What? What? Why did he agree to that? That's what, that is actually the question that I have for you guys. Why did Barkon agree to that? Was it like, you know, I'm 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 never working again. This is my last chance to get a paycheck. It's a WrestleMania thing. Do you think that's where where his head was at, or was he hoodwinked? I I assume it was it was yeah like like in the documentary James was saying how after he knocked out. Uh, Steve Williams, he's like, oh my god, my career's over. And I'd say, he said, well, they've done nothing with me since then, and now they're bringing me in for this big fight. 
I suppose I'll I'll get a WrestleMania payday out of it. I would say I would agree with that. I think that's the only reason why you would stick around. He's still under contract at this particular point. The paid him whilst he's going off TV because you were just starting to get the downside guarantees yeah. because they're having, they were having to compete with WCW. So they would have paid him to stay home because they couldn't afford for him to just go appear on Nitro. Even if he got like battered on Nitro because it would have been... He should have done that. I mean, genuinely, that would have, you know, imagine that as the boon. The brawl for all but winner and he shows if, up on Nitro. If you're going to put him in a boxing match, fine. Send him home for nine months and tell him to train his ass off and every couple of weeks on Raw have a 90-second vignette of him, you know, training hard in the gym, running up a hill, doing the rocky thing, you know, like, like you build it up to that. It's like literally the thing they did with Roddy Piper when he fought Mr. T at WrestleMania 2. 100% exactly what they did with, <laughs> with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels when they're coming up to the Iron Man match. Like, it, it's not as if they don't know how to do this. Well, here's the thing. At WrestleMania, he doesn't even look like himself. Nah. You know, he looks like a different guy, like. And it effectively is. But there's that. And then there's the, the spot that the he gets one punch in, hold on, two, misses that punch. Clinch. Yeah, hold on. And then knockout. There we go. So he got one one punch in and a bit of a clinch. And then there's the knockout. The fight lasts four seconds. What are you going to do with he, four seconds? Like, legitimately, four seconds. He is... I mean, I, um, oh, sorry. No, no, you go ahead, James. I was going to say, because I did watch a bit of an interview with Butterbean, and he said Bart's problem was that he tried to box me, and that's obviously not going to work. So if he tried to go for a takedown, he probably would have had an advantage, but he didn't. He tried to straight up box me. I'm a professional boxer. <laughs> oh, man. Again... So, yeah, I'm not. I'm not Mike Tyson. I'm not Evander Holyfield. But I'm a professional boxer. I do this all the time. This is my job. So why were you trying to box me? The level <laughs> of um, of class was just. It, it was entirely different. Like Bart looked really good when he was against all the other guys who didn't know what they were doing. But like you could immediately see, like even even before a punch was thrown in Butterbeans footwork in in his arms being up and the way he the way he moved like you could immediately see that gun was completely out of his depth you like could say straight he, away you could say he was outgunned hey, <laughs> <laughs> on fire tonight here we go um but yeah look it, i just this whole thing was a train wreck and i remember watching it as a kid going what is this and I want I want to see the Rock and Stone Cold, um, <laughs> and I'm pretty much I'm pretty sure everybody else in that arena was probably the same, you know. Go on, do, do a shooting star press. <laughs> <laughs> so with that ends the the legacy of the brawl for all uh, a legacy of injuries, missed opportunities, knockouts, and 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 everything else. Uh, after his lo- so. We have we have a, a, a little uh, postscript here. So um, Bob Hoddy claimed that Gunn's inevitable loss to Butterbean was punishment for defeating the company's desired winner, Steve Williams. After his loss to Butterbean, Gunn returned to All Japan in May 1989, changed his ring name to Mike Barton that summer. Post post the tournament, that's a weird that's a weird way to write that. Post tournament uh, post tournament draws suffered a career-ending injury 
unrelated to the tournament during a SmackDown taping in 1989. Well, Steve Blackman left in 20, uh, zero, uh, 20, 20, uh, 2002. Uh, Bob Holly stayed with the company until 2009. Future Hall of Fame inductee The Godfather and Bradshaw left in uh, 2002 and 2009, respectively. So there we go. There is, so yeah, as you said, there was the, there was the, the, the storyline set up in December 2000, where Dr. Day Steve Williams crossed path with Bart Gunn again, going as Barton in a tag team televised match uh, during the World's Strongest Tag Determination League 2000 tournament. They were on opposite teams, and uh, Williams sought to get even with Barton for his loss at Brawl for All. And the feud would eventually culminate in a revenge match on the 28th of January 2001, which Williams won. So there you go. What's it, three years later? They would, there would thinking, be the payoff. That's long-term storytelling. I was thinking about this. The, uh, who possibly could have benefited from this mess? And I know the man who did. The man who did had his last singles match this morning in Tokyo, Japan, headlining Budokan Hall at the age of 58 with his second set of replacement names against Shinsuke Nakamura. No that way. Was Kiyeji, the great Muta Muto, who was chief booker for All Japan Pro Wrestling in 2001, signed Barton and Williams at cut prices because they didn't have any options anywhere else and made money hand over fist with a story WWE could have done for free. Because Kiyeji Muto is the best politician in professional wrestling. <laughs> and, and this is why we planned out bringing Jenny <laughs> to talk about for all for all because he has deep lore about Japanese wrestling, which we do not but, have. James actually can help me out with uh, a wee, a wee kind of link I found when I was doing a wee bit of research for this. So whenever I was looking up Brawl for All, I accidentally stumbled across the Brawl to End It All, which was a 1984 WWF show uh, that was not a pay-per-view, but was a big uh, pay-per-view style show that they did for MTV. You know, had oh, the celebrities. Circuit. Oh, circuit one. Yeah, yeah. So it was um, uh, it had like a load of celebrities and and different things in it, but there is actually a weird connection to the brawl for all in the brawl to end it all, in that it is one of the few WWF matches that featured the uh, WWF Martial Arts World Title, <laughs> which oh, yeah. was a, a a belt that they had for shoot fights although it was only ever used as a kind of a crossover with them. Um, was it All Japan or New Japan? Who was Antonio was Inoki with? Japan. Yes, Antonio Inoki was the president and was the. it was indeed the martial arts champion for a long time. It was presented to him by Vince McMahon Sr. in the late 1970s. Yeah, so uh, on this <laughs> brawl to end it all, they had a shoot fight for the WWF martial arts world title, um, which Antonio Inoki won. So I just thought that was a cool <laughs> accidental <laughs> accidental link that I found. It's uh, The daft thing is, right, on the Troopany show, me and Dara did a show on Kiyoji Muto where we looked at all the stuff you could find for free on YouTube, basically. We did playlists. And me and John and Marcus, literally everything we've looked at this year from a historical point of view, we've gone, ah, oh, Kiyoji Muto was involved <laughs> in that. And Kiyoji Muto was involved in that. This week, we would do the show for tomorrow's show, for the Troopany show, which will go out tomorrow, was we did Christmas Star Wars from Dallas in 1982, which featured Gary Hart, who was the guy that came up with the great Muto character. 
<laughs> so literally everything we've looked at in wrestling history for the last 50 years, you get back to Keiji Muto. Even today, we get back to Keiji Muto as he has his last single match today. And it's it's like it is does all link in, and you could say it's Inoki's fault because essentially Inoki versus Ali set off this whole kind of mixed martial arts and wrestling thing that ends up with Pride and UFC and late doing MMA shows with their wrestlers. And I suppose in a way it's Brawl for All, but I think Brawl for All it's very kind of of its own thing. You know, it, yeah. it's not it's not yeah. out of like. If you look at the way, say, the other shoot fight promotions develops, like UWF in 84 developed because the wrestlers wanted a more realistic presentation than what New Japan were doing. But it was still very much like a wrestling show. If you look at UWFI in the mid-90s, it's a bit further developed along. There's a better point system, one thing or another. If you look at Pancras, which was a genuine shoot promotion, um, they have developed the point system. They develop like the the submissions to a level, and they understand that they just can't have fighters fighting every month. That there's training camps involved, and that produces Minoru Suzuki and uh, Ken Shamrock and Frank Shamrock and Bas Rutan and all these genuinely great fighters. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a genuine move to this. This is much closer to what tough man fighting was doing in the mid '90s, and why there was that fascination between that and trap fighting and pit fighting. It's kind of like that, but it's clearly advantageous to a certain kind of amateur wrestler football player, which the majority of these people were. I mean, like Drozdov was obviously a pro football player. Bradshaw played football in college. Williams played for Oklahoma. He was a national champion as well as being a wrestler. Hollywood, all of them would have played football at high school, at least you would think, the majority of them. And if not, they were brawlers. Like Severin, like Scorpio was trained at the New Japan Dojo Chris Benoit taught him how to shoot, um, basically, so he could survive. Because <laughs> he probably kept going his head kicking by the new by the new Japan guys. So they it was very much a level of um, just a level of like this isn't really like a shoot fight because we've taken out the elements that can make it really dangerous for everybody. But if you've got a good right hand, you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. The other uh, sort of loose connection between the brawl for all and the brawl to end it all um, is that they're both uh, aspects of their past that WWE were clearly rather people forgot. So the brawl for all, obviously, because of what it was. But uh, the brawl to end it all in 2013 went up on the network as part of a uh, hidden gems. Uh, section of the website and it was up there for a total of one day before it was taken down and never seen again so. no way <laughs> yeah. oh wow did mtv lawyers get involved i, I yeah i, I who, who knows what the what the reason was that's and, uh, yeah because like the, the the main event was piper versus hogan wasn't it the undercard would be on closed circuit tv but the main event was on mtv so maybe mtv still had some rights on it yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe it's uh, yeah that that kind of issue then. Mm. I don't know. Um, I just thought it was hilarious that it went up for a day. Thank you for that. We have to research this. Maybe it's a it's a future show. Indeed, like the, the, <laughs> the mystery behind <laughs> the hidden hidden gem. The hidden. <laughs> <laughs> but again, guys, um, we're gonna leave it there. We've gone just about two hours now, so. Uh, James, I want to thank you for your time, sir. It's uh, been great having you on the show again. Because uh, look, as I said, we, we haven't done our, our year end. You guys haven't done your year end yet. So 
we're like, no, we'll come on. We'll we'll do a special New Year's New Year's Day show where we talk about uh, the brawl for for. All. It's weird, actually. Hold on a second. I'm having a look here on the stream, and it actually says brawl for it all. That's yeah. Hilarious. It was like, see this whole thing about them making it up as they go along. I'm convinced that they didn't even know what the name of it was. So yeah, because the name changes. <laughs> okay, yeah. So officially, it's brawl for all. But I guess if you call it brawl for it all. That's okay too. <laughs> what a mess. What a mess. And James, I hope you had fun watching this, man, because we sure did. I did, but I had much more fun talking to you guys about it. <laughs> oh, <I did. laughs> well, likewise. I was uh, when you were when I was watching this, I was like, oh man, this is gonna be a fun show. So I I'm glad uh, I'm glad you had fun too. Martin, uh we finally followed through on something. So fair play. Good job, Will. We did, yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> want to make a wouldn't want to make a habit out of it. No, no, no. They've got to keep them on their toes, like back on. Um, <laughs> but before we get out of here, is there anything you want to plug, James? Oh, uh, you can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram, Sheriff Lone Star TX. You can find the show on all the places I said earlier. Uh, every Monday morning, we come out with a trooping show. It's usually about uh, something that's happened in wrestling in Japan that week or in the US Indies or on something that's not so mainstream. We leave that to you guys because you're really good at it. Oh, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. And again, guys, if this is your first time checking out the show, uh, one, I don't know how it happened, but also thank you. And uh, go over to, to the True Penny channel, check out all the shows there as well. And you can find us. Uh, we're getting better at, at uploading shows. We're going to have a bit of a break there because uh, life got really crazy with, with the band, Martin. So I wasn't in the country. Um, so I apologize to everybody uh, about the shows, but they're all up now on the True Penny channel. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, episode 115 went up yesterday. So we're all caught up. So this is going to be 116. Now, there is something I want to mention as well. Uh, we did a special Christmas show, which uh, only went out on stream. That's going to be going up soon. And that's to help um, this girl who has, a, um, she has like a litany of surgeries coming up. So we want to try to raise money for her as well. So uh, I'm going to put the, the link to that in the description of this show as well. So go over and check that out. And then check out the special show we did where we watched some uh, Wrestling Society X and then we laugh at CM Punk, and then we laugh at the Reverse Battle Royale, and it's a good time. Um, so, yeah, check that out as well. That's with a um, former host of a show I used to do years ago, but we're going to include it here, because why not? It's a Christmas, a special Christmas bonus for everybody as well. And, um, yeah, so for me, for my two co-hosts, we'll be back next week here on um, on this show, where we will be... Uh, Martin, are we going back to... Uh, we're going back to our timeline, or do we have something else we want to do beforehand? Um, I, I don't mind. We can do an end of year review if you want, or we can just, like you say, because because in our timeline we're in the sort of end of February, start of March. Yeah. Um. So we we can figure it out during the week. But what I would say to people is subscribe to our Patreon, and we will use the money to get Mark Madden on the show and oh sexually harass him. Oh <laughs> yes. Join. Yeah. Actually, that's a great. Well, not the sexual harassment part, but. Yeah, no, do join our Patreon <laughs> and our social media. That's the best way for it to figure out what we're going to do because sometimes it's literally the day before or usually a Wednesday. I'm like, Martin, what are we doing? Like, I don't know. And then we figure it out on the day. So usually on a Wednesday is when we figure out actually what we're going to do on the show. But it probably will be our timeline. If not, it'll be something fun. You guys know the way it is. But we'll be back here next week. Again, thank you so much for checking us out. Thank you to my two co-hosts and for you for you guys for supporting the show because I mean we wouldn't be here without you. So uh, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Bye guys. Bye.
Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.